Welcome to Into the Breach, a reps and warranties policy podcast by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer, partners and co-leaders of the Transactional Underwriting Council practice at Cyforth Shaw, interviewing leaders from the industry and exploring the latest developments, market trends, and news impacting RWI and the transactional risk insurance markets. Welcome to Into the Breach. This is Brian O'Keefe, your host of the show, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jenna. She's operating in a remote location today, right, Jenna? (laughs) That's right, all the way in Florida in my temporary quarantine abode. It's very exciting. (laughs) We have gone remote, and we have gone remote to a new level now in the show. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, we're happy to have you, Jenna, and... um, we're actually going to be taking a different tack today on the show. We're going to be uh, having a guest who's going to be on, uh, Kirk Sanderson, who's going to be discussing a, a very specific tech topic uh, that's related to reps and warranty insurance. So we're excited to have him on. But before we get to him, kind of going with the tech theme, mm-hmm. uh, what was your favorite tech uh, holiday gift that you may have received, Jenna? Well, you know, devoted listeners to the pod will recall that my Hanukkah gifts left much to be desired and certainly were uh, not in the way of tech. But late last year, I did buy myself a brand new iPad and I love it. It's great. It's thin, it's sleek, it's light. It it gave me Apple TV free for a year, which I'm really enjoying. So um, I would say that would be my most recent favorite tech purchase. And what about you, Brian? Better than it, better than the old socks you got for the better than the friend socks, exactly. Better than the friend socks. That's right. That's right. So, well, I also uh, received an Apple product, and I got the the ear, the AirPods, earpods. Oh yeah, yeah. People seem to like those. Did you did you like them? They take a little bit of getting used to, and Mm -hmm. um, the battery life on them is a little funky. Like they sometimes die, like when you're in the middle of like a phone call, and you're like oh, like what happened? I can't hear anybody now. And I'm like scrambling around. I mean, I'm not used to that with like using just like regular headphones, but they're pretty cool. They definitely have high noise cancellation as well. So you really can't hear anything. And I, I, I never wear that around my wife. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, no response to comments about lives. <laughs> we'll edit that part no out. But yeah. uh, what, we will not, what we will not edit out today is... Uh, Kirk Sanderson, who's the founding and managing partner at MA uh, Insurance Solutions. Uh, we're really happy to have him on the show today. Like I said, he's going to be uh, here talking about uh, this uh, very innovative and creative tech uh, product that he's come up with um, that helps uh, move along the, the reps and warranty uh, insurance product. And we're just really to have, happy to have him on the show today. So welcome to the show, Kirk. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Great. Thank you for being here. Well, before we get all high tech, we can maybe go a little low tech first. <laughs> and uh, Kurt, if you maybe want to uh, just explain a little bit about your background. We know you've been a, a grizzled veteran here now in the reps warranty industry for, for a long time. So maybe just explain to our listeners who aren't familiar with you, uh, you know, just your professional background in, uh, in your agency at MA Insurance Solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, I'm an insurance solutions. We started in April of 2017. So we're almost three years in. Uh, we are an exclusively reps and warranties and other MA insurance uh, products, of course, but exclusively within that space, the transaction solution space, I suppose a lot of people call it um, using using these um, 
transaction solution markets, uh, primarily reps and warranties insurance, of course. Uh, we do most mostly uh, domestic uh, U.S. deals, but uh, you know, did probably I think it's three international deals last year as well. So certainly have uh, the ability and capabilities to do that as well. Uh, my background: uh, I started the insurance industry over at Aon in 2007 uh, in their M&A insurance team. Uh, before reps and warranties was was around, uh, the role was a strategy and business de- development uh, uh, type type role, uh, which uh, turned into um, the direct responsibility for identifying and and developing new products as well. Uh, the last project I worked on here was reps and warranties insurance in 2012. Identified an opportunity, uh, a bunch of us over at Aon, that uh, to build a formal practice. So while the policies. Uh, we're obviously being placed before that, uh, you know, uh, there just was, wasn't a formal practice and wasn't a formal strategy in place. So, uh, as I mentioned, that was my last project over there as, uh, you know, we, we were unable to build fast enough. So I got thrown in the fire into the brokering. And, and once I got my first taste of the deal, I said, uh, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm not turning back. So, um, you know, I, I saw the market was, was booming and, you know, the interest in, in the clients, mostly private equity firms at that point, uh, to, to, to start shifting, you know, away from the escrows and into the uh, policies uh, was, was clear writing on the wall. Um, at that time, there were only three brokers, of course, three, three pure brokers that had dedicated uh, uh, reps and warranties insurance teams. So uh, from a market opportunity, my background is, you know, with an MBA. I'm one of the few that does not have a law degree, um, but I saw- We won't hold that against you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, no lawyer jokes, though. Yeah. No lawyer jokes. Yeah. You're no, outnumbered. I, I, You're outnumbered. Keep that in mind. Uh, significantly outnumbered. I have. I'm well aware. So, um, no, no lawyer jokes other than other than just you know I, I saw you know a, a clear opportunity. Um, went over and you know joined a small boutique, uh, you know which was then bought up by another large national broker. So I said, you know what. Uh, no, no more working for the big guys. Let me, the only way to do that or promise that is to go start my own shop. So uh, that's how we got to M&A Insurance Solutions. So good. Well, we appreciate the entrepreneurial uh, approach with the, uh, with the new shop that you have there. And um, do you have any particular, just in terms of M&A Insurance Solutions, before we get to the tech product, do you have any yeah. particular industries you try to focus on or deal? deal no, I'd say, you know, or? most of our deal flow is lower middle market. Um, you know, we did just wrap up a $250 million insurance tower in December. So certainly and the tech, we'll get into that in a second, but, but the tech certainly helps, helps with that as well, significantly helps. So we can do, you know, top to bottom as far as large deals, small deals, you know, across all industries, no real segmentation there. Um, but, you know, uh, our, our core is on the lower lower middle market. That's where we see most of our deal flow. So I, I think it's probably worth mentioning as well that you know the last six months we've we've uh, started picking up on our, our wholesale uh, platform. So not only are we doing retail deals, um, but we are starting this year a concerted effort to to build a a, a platform for for other brokers uh, to join and as they're you know acting on behalf of them as their wholesale broker. So great. Well, so for our listeners who don't have any idea what this exciting high-tech product is of yours, why don't you give us sort of an explanation of like the idea behind it, the concept, how it works, who your ideal client might be, you know, yeah. just sort of the background about the product. Sure. So the RW Exchange, RWX for short, so we'll be referencing it as RWX, you know, it provides 100% 
of the, it provides all of the stakeholders with 100% of transparency and control over the process from the time you selected your insurer to the time you issue the final policy. Um, and transparency, that, that's just a given. Think of your virtual data room. Everybody can go in and, and see you know, exactly what documents exist and what folders. And so everybody has the same version of you know, what, what, what we call truth. Um, not that anybody's trying to do anything other than truth in this space, but, <laughs> but you know, everybody had, it can see all of the, you know, the comments made, all the latest documents, and, and nobody's uh, got any, any, any uh, mismatching information from that standpoint other than what might, might happen on both ends. Um, and from control, uh, you know, if we were to give, you know, broker buttons or broker access to, to you know, the clients and their lawyers or the insurers and their lawyers, they, they actually could uh, um, put together a policy all the way through without a broker if they wanted to. Many reasons not to, obviously, you know, you want your broker in place. First off, the broker has to get the quotes and, you know, right. in the process anyways. Um, and then at the end, there's a lot of stuff and everything in between all the conversations that happen that, you know, you rely upon your brokers to happen, but if they wanted to, they could. And so I think just from that standpoint, it gives a lot of uh, folks just the comfort a that they, they can see the process moving by the way, it also has a tracker. So as we often mention, uh, this is as if you took the FedEx tracker and had a, had a baby with your standard virtual data room, the outcome <laughs> is RWX, of course, within the RW, RW uh, world, of course. But, you know, allows all, all, all participants to, to see the process, you know, across six stages, where, what steps are complete, what stages are complete, what are the remaining steps, um, while, again, providing everybody with that transparency on, okay, so what is complete and what's left to be done. And so I think it just takes away a lot of the guesswork or maybe some of the frustration uh, that comes with, you know, just either side, the insurer's side or, or the client's side, just not being connected to the other uh, directly. And I think, and I appreciate that. And I think you were showing us actually a demo of this recently. Um, and it was, as you said, it looks like the FedEx tracker, like you can see, or, or I, I also remembered like the, the Domino's pizza, like this is where the most right. is yeah. in the pizza making or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to watch how, how it, it kind of goes along in a line. But I also think, um, I think a big advantage to having a product like this, that's very, uh, tailored and focused to the reps industry right. and does this is the time it could potentially save. I think all of us uh, are very uh, stressed out with the uh, deal flow in terms of just, you know, trying to save any amount of time that we can. And even if it might seem like a small amount of time, uh, a, a lot of small chunks of time can add up to a big chunk of time. So perhaps um, maybe explain a little bit about how this can save everybody uh, time in the process. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it really goes back to, you know, my business school days, right, where, where you think about dependent variables and gating items and, and, and all those things. Um, the, you know, the, most of the brokers in the space are, are very sophisticated, very intelligent and, and working their tails off. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, but some of the things, right, so if you think about 90 percent of, of the information that is exchanged back and forth between the insurers and the clients is, you know, what, what we call plain vanilla in the sense that while well, you want a broker to make sure, you know, nobody's looking silly, right? If I say I'm going to send the non-reliance letter, it shouldn't be, you know, some other document that the insurer shouldn't get. So you want them to at least acknowledge and understand and review, you know, that, that that's a non-reliance letter. But once, once they've confirmed as the broker that that's a non-reliance letter, it should just go across. And I think what, what happens just based on folks' capacity is, you have some of these emails that may not be important to the brokers per se, or anybody within the chain, uh, perceived importance. But if 
And so oh, I can get to that in an hour. But if, if, if any of those parties have to share that document and that's what the request came from uh, to somebody who only has say a half hour and after that half hour, they're gonna be out of pocket for a half a day. Well, now that hour delay isn't really an hour delay. It really costs right. half a day and maybe even more in some cases. Um, as we know, again, everybody's super busy. So that person might not be on vacation, but they may have to hunker down for another project for, for a day, right? Without lifting their head. Um, it's, it's the choices that we all have to make. So the ability to, to transfer and exchange, obviously the RW exchange, exchange this information in a far more fluid and direct. And, you know, I, I hate the word seamless because everybody uses that, but, you know, seamless process whereby the clients really don't have to rely upon the broker to, to make that move or to spend any time uh, and, and the insurer likewise. Uh, so that information going back and forth as quickly as possible, I think is just a, is just a game changer as far as the amount of time, right? I think no matter what we do, we're always going to come up to the last 24, 15 hours, 12 hours before closing where you, where you got your policy binder. Um, but, you know, at least, you know, the process along the way, we're not, you know, nobody's, pushing off or delaying or creating any of that frustration or headaches uh, where it's really not needed on some of this plain vanilla exchanging of information. And for people who are like me, who have gotten used to going to sleep at like 9.15 during the pandemic, it is like <laughs> a, a nice way to eliminate those like very late night emails because of, you know, delay, human well, error, I think that's whatever right. it is, right? So it keeps yeah. things moving along, which is yeah. very helpful for everybody, I think. And that's really it. It's, it's you know, the, the one thing, you know, that I didn't mention right from a collaboration tool, we really are, uh, you know, we're not removing the value that the broker adds. We're a broker, so we have no incentive of doing that. Um, so, you know, we want to be there. But what we want to do is we want to bring the insurers and the, the insurers team, I should mention, and the clients team, you know, that much closer so they can, if they needed to transact or exchange this information a lot more quickly and, and on a more of a, you know, I, I call it a first name basis because they're all listed on, on the platform, you know, who's, the, who's part of the project team. But, uh, you know, we want them to feel as if, if, if there's not, you know, the, 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 the barriers in the middle are, have been lowered significantly. That, that's really what we're looking at. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think you, uh, when we were talking before, you were explaining that uh, this could be used on any sort of deal, but it has a particular uh, power on the tower deals where you uh, maybe have multiple insurers working together and there is some real customization features for the for the tower deals. Maybe you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, you, you know, so most folks who have been through it know that, you know, when you're building a tower, so we did a tower across seven insurers and four, four layers last December I'd mentioned. Um, you got to seg segment the communications that go across each of the insurers or each of the layers, I suppose, is, you know, you have, you have multiple insurers in some cases on, on, on individual layers. But so you want to communicate to all those insurers on a particular layer at the same time, but not others. Um, and so just segmenting that from a email via email standpoint becomes just hairy and just a little crazy and people adding people, people taking people off and, you know, just the frustration and, 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 stress from just making sure that you're getting that right um, gets a little crazy. So the way we set it up in, in, in the RWX platform is each one of those layers gets a separate project and therefore all of your communications you need to, as a broker, yeah, we send them out four times, but you would do that anyways from four emails uh, separately. It's just without having to plug, without having to change the subject line. Um, you know, that's one of the things I guess with, with RWX is every, every communication that's made is made under a direct step. And the direct step is 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 has its own emails associated with. So the subject line is exactly 
subject line for any of your comments and documents that are being sent for that particular step is exactly what that step is. So no more hunting and pecking for, I, I think we mentioned this earlier, Brian, you were mentioning, you know, kind of the anxiety and frustration that comes from searching. I guess you both had mentioned it, uh, searching for documents. Uh, just, you know, all of that is eliminated. Yeah, I think that that's happened. No, I think that happens a lot. I think we're, you know, we're trying to remember of exclusionary language or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, you're searching through emails and searching through all kinds of other things and uh, being able to have that all in one place would certainly be very helpful. So Kirk, I think we haven't, we haven't talked about one of the most important uh, aspects of your technology platform, RWX, which is what can someone expect to pay for access to the platform? Does it come, you know, for free with using your broker services? Yeah. What is the pricing platform? Is it subscription model? How does it work? That's a, that's a great question. And the answer is all of the above. Um, now, in some sense, it, <laughs> it is all of the above. So, you know, as a retail broker, we we use it for free. It's our, you know, our, our competitive advantage. Um, so none of our clients have to pay for it to use it. Um, from a wholesale standpoint, you know, again, we're a wholesaler. We'll use the technology for free. The benefit there is other brokers that partner with us. They are added onto the project. So they are part of Project ABC. So their clients, you know, feel as though they are the ones doing as much of the work as we are, which we're happy for. Um, and then obviously there's shared uh, incentives there, which is the same wholesale model anyways. Um, but then there is also technology as a service. So we, we are happy to have any and all discussions with folks who are interested in licensing the technology for their own use. Um, in some cases, if there's folks that have a significant deal flow, you know, we're happy to also talk about giving it away for free. We, you know, our, our goal is to make other people's lives easier to the extent we can get the technology out there. You know, one of the other, you know, we, we've talked to a couple other people and said, this would be fantastic if only everybody used it. Right. And that's kind of the message that we get from most people. Now, the issue is we can't force people to use it. And the issue is other people consider themselves doing fantastic without it. And again, we can't force them to change their minds on that. Um, you know, so but whereby it helps any insurers, any any law firms or, you know, we're talking to a large private equity firm that, you know, wants to internalize their, their whole reps and warranties insurance brokerage. So they want to be their own broker. Um, and so we were happy to work with them on, you know, what does that look like? And using the technology, obviously, is, is how they want to, you know, want to discuss doing it. And, and, you know, how do we build that type of model? So we have had just about any and every, you know, conversation, uh, discussion that you could think of, uh, whereby tech could be the, the platform. Um, and along with all those discussions, obviously, comes different pricing engagements. But for right now, yeah, our clients use it for free and our wholesale clients are getting the benefit for free as well. But uh, we'd love to discuss any and all opportunities with whoever. Yeah, and I think it could be particularly helpful, as you said, for uh, be it private equity firms or, or law firms or whomever who have a high uh, deal flow and in, in looking at the demo you gave us, it really does lay everything out in a very yeah. way. And while it may be useful for a one-off person as well, I think for um, you know those who are using this product a lot and who are very involved in the markets a lot, right. yeah, there would be a particular value to having something that, uh, that that keeps everything organized and in one place. Yeah, I think I mean to add on to that, and that's really what we haven't mentioned. So a lot of times, I, I, and it always comes at the end. So maybe I'll start leading my pitch with this. But um, but no, the you know the idea of just to add on to what you're saying, I think to to kind of crystallize that, you know, we're talking about a programmatic basis, right? So we're not talking about just expediting the deal you're working on today and getting from you know one to ten 
uh, quicker. We're talking about, okay, after you've gotten to 10 and you've done that a hundred times in a year, or maybe it takes you two or three years to get there, you know, different people have different scale, obviously. But now that you hold all that information, we're clearly, we're taking data points along the way. So we know, you know, what are the rates? We know what are the premiums, all the things that you can imagine you would want to store. And many people probably are on an Excel or access database, you know, somewhere um, to try and garner, you know, uh, some terms and, and uh, things out of, um, you know, we can now do that with the push of a button, you know, through our dashboards page. And we can obviously filter that by client. We can filter that by private equity firm, uh, sorry, uh, a law firm. We can filter that by insurer, you know, we, so we know who's doing what generally when and where and can start building customized reports. So to your point, anybody who's got some scale and, you know, it allows you to, yes, organize it and reference it for future, for future documents and comments, but also to take a lot of those data points and the interesting things you can start doing with that. Um, so. Well, we really appreciate you sharing uh, this information about RWX with us and our listeners. And um, as we do with all of our esteemed guests on the pod, we have some questions that are kind of silly. Well, some are serious, some are silly. We call them uh, once more unto the breach, uh, just sort of like quick little hits. And the, the first two questions are just for you, but the last question um, we're both Brian and I are gonna answer also. I'm very excited about it. It allows us to display a little information about American history. Um, okay, so the first question is, what do you think is the biggest change that we'll see in the RWI industry in the next 12 months? And if you think it's like two changes, you can say two changes, but no more, no than, more two. than two. Yeah. <laughs> the limit. Well, so 2020, uh, I, I correctly predicted that the brokers are finally gonna, a lot of your brokers at your large houses are finally going to, um, go move on and start, start their own, their own programs. And, you know, as we all saw that happen, especially towards the second half of 2020, um, you got a lot of shakeup now. So, uh, even up until three years ago, you only had five brokers that, that, you know, really had experience with this in space or, you know, probably the best way to put it. So I don't insult people, but those five brokers hold held 95% of the, the deal flow. Right. So, um, now coming in 2021, you're going to have 10, maybe 12 brokers, all knocking on the same doors, all with similar experience. Of course, they come from different size companies, sure, but but as an individual broker, really, that's who you're looking for to to place your policies. Anyways, is that one individual that that you know provides service above and beyond? How are each of those folks going to differentiate themselves in the market uh, in order to try and you know win the hearts of of, of these private equity and, and corporate clients? Uh, will be very interesting to see. So, uh, differentiated pitches. You know, are they going to ad additional? Uh, folks with technology, you know, who knows, you know, how they're going to have to get crafty in order to start uh, figuring out how to leverage these folks away from, from the larger shops. Uh, um, so that'll be very interesting to see. That will be interesting to see. And you, I think, are the, our first guest to uh, at least comment on that trend that we're seeing in the market. So good. You get a yeah. prize, yeah. Well, because it, it didn't happen until the very the very end here. Right? So, that's probably why. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It really, it because really you have will. particular insights, Kurt. That's why. Yeah. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Right. And, and we do have a particular competitive advantage uh, uh, tool ourselves. So that, that that's why it's on the top of my head. Is well, now that they're all out there and everybody's going to be knocking on the same doors. You know, what right. is everybody? You know, they're going to have to show something new and different. And so far, you know, we just haven't seen anything new and different from any of the brokers, other than you know, they're all smart and they're all fantastic. So, but uh, what else are they doing to provide a better user experience? I think for the rest of the market, that's that's what folks would like to see. I mean, the brokers and the insurers have done a fantastic job over the years, building a wonderful market. And a lot of them have benefited very well. Um, so, you know, what's coming back into the market uh, that, that really is 
is for the rest of uh, you know the, the clients. You know how are they benefiting by speed, execution, and things of that nature. So. And our second quick hit is what uh, career advice uh, would you give someone who's looking to get involved in the RWI industry? Yeah, I had another gentleman approach me yesterday. So I think first and foremost, I'd say absolutely do it. You know, it's a fantastic market, a lot of incredibly smart folks. And so that's how it's nice. Um, very motivated individuals, entrepreneurial, some of them. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't see the, the, the market you know, stopping growth, obviously the reps and warranties insurance market, uh, you know, is, is kind of tapering down a little bit, but as far as, you know, the things that they can do in different industries and then even different products uh, moving into other tax areas, things of that nature. Um, so I think it's a, it's a market that's going to continue to grow and continue to be exciting for, for at least the next five, 10 years. So um, for anyone looking to get in, I, I, I encourage them. Absolutely. So. You know, we're always hiring over here too. So for anybody who thinks that, you know, as far as a right. producer is concerned, you know, if they, if they have a book of business or they think they can, you know, bring in, you know, our, our partnership model is very similar to, to a law firm where they take part in the equity as well as, uh, you know, you know, whatever they bring in the door. So that's, that's what we look for is uh, folks that are actually excited to get in and, and think they can really uh, make a significant impact within the space. So that's well, a great Ryan answer. and I agree. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's a great answer, Kerr. I thought you were going to say, though, don't go to law school. So no, 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 no. I mean, I don't think it's a prerequisite anymore, but uh, but certainly it is uh, incredibly helpful and and has uh, been very beneficial to to absolutely getting the market up and running into a space place where, you know, it's 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 you know, I, I, we're not going back. I don't think, you know, I think even three, four years ago, I heard people say, well, until, you know, sellers no longer have leverage and, you know, then the, uh, you know, the escrow markets and things of that nature you know, that we, that it might uh, retreat, retreat and go back to, to, to the escrows, but I don't see why that would ever happen. So, yeah. well, well, Brian, I think you should ask this last question. Yeah, I'll ask the final one. I'm based yeah. in Washington, yeah. D.C., and today is January 20th, uh, 2001, and we have a little event. 2021, friend. Oh, my gosh, 2021. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm caught in 2020. What can I say? Okay. Um, so we have a little event going on today called the presidential inauguration in my home city here. And so as our final fun question, we thought we'd ask you, Kurt, um, what is uh, your favorite president or, or presidential administration, but non-famous? So don't not FDR, not JFK, not George Washington. And, you know, we were talking this morning or you perhaps having a longing for the Benjamin Harrison administration, are you a, a Franklin Pierce kind of man? Like those are the sorts of presidents we're trying to, trying to figure out who, who you really, uh, who's really your guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> to be completely frank, I read this and I said, you've taken away any option I would ever mention. <laughs> I, I, I right, you can go with a famous president. We don't want yeah, to. I, I, well, I, I share a birthday with uh, Abe Lincoln. So I've always been keen on him and you know, everything. Good. So, so, He's a reasonable, uh, but reasonable obviously choice. from the non-famous, I don't know how, how you know, how, how most people would know an administration uh, that wasn't famous. So I have a good <laughs> answer to this. Been, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So my favorite president, my famous favorite non-famous president is Martin Van Buren okay. because he is the first person to be elected and serve as president who was born after the 13 colonies became America. Everybody else was born in a colony or came over from Europe and he was born in America. So I remember oh, so that he from was my the college. First true American president is what you're saying. That's right. That's where, was right. He, where was he born at? I don't know this actually. I 
cannot answer that question. This is the end of the information <laughs> that I have about Martin Van Buren. <laughs> Which I can Google it. You already wowed us enough. Then. I wowed you. Yeah, that was pretty Back off. Yeah. You could have said anything. I would have said that's wonderful. I didn't know that, but uh, I was. I'm going to tell you right now. Martin Van Buren was born in Kinderhook, New York, and look at that—a New, a fellow New Yorker. Even more reason. Even more reason to like him. There you go. Well, there you there go. go. There According you go. to Google, so all those Van Buren. People, fans out there, if we got that wrong, it's it's Google's fault. It's not ours. Well, so my, my favorite sort of non-famous president is uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, I've actually become. I think he um, might be a famous president. Well, yeah, but you know, so he um. Kirk's he, gonna his, be mad. Kirk's like, I was gonna pick Grant, but he said no he, famous president. His historical reputation has been sort of rehabilitated in the last couple of years, but he was, you know thought of as a not, you know, he obviously was amazing. He won the civil war and he becomes president. And then he was kind of thought of as like a pretty bad president. But in the last like four or five years, his reputation has really been rehabbed. And there's actually a wonderful um, biography by Ron Chernow, who wrote the Alexander Hamilton biography of Grant that is terrific. And I read it a couple of years ago and it's really a, a very, very good um, biography. And uh, you really, I, I walked away just, really admiring Grant. I mean, he was essentially penniless and uh, his life had really not worked out the right way. And he had problems with alcohol and all kinds of other things on the eve of the civil war. And then he, you know, becomes the leader of the union army. He defeats Lee, uh, accepts a resignation, accepts the end of the war at Appomattox. Then he goes on to become a two-term president and he actually had a lot of highlights to it. So um, so I think he's a very underrated president and somebody that I uh, I really admire a lot. But my wife said the same thing. She said, well, he's famous. Everyone knows who Grant is. That's, you're not really playing your game correctly. I said, well, I created the rules. So we, I'll say <laughs> That's right. Well, I have an important question. Now that you've read his uh, Chernow autobiography, autobi are you inspired to write a rap musical all about Grant or... We're going to leave that to Hamilton. So, so uh, uh, the answer is is no. They actually <laughs> surprisingly, uh, the answer is no. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did make a documentary. <laughs> they, they they sold the rights to the block to make a documentary about Grant uh, to like A and E or something, and I did watch it, and it was it was decent, uh, but the book was actually much better. So, um, but I don't think there's going to be a grant, uh, rap musical, but I would see it if there was. So yeah, I would see it too. Well, there's our inauguration day, uh, question. So, um, but thank you very much, uh, Kurt. We really appreciated you being on the show. I think you, uh, really raised an important point with trying to use tech more in this industry, as opposed to, uh, you know, sort of doing things the old-fashioned way, and um, you know, you want to maybe tell our listeners where they could contact you if they're interested in finding out more about the product. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm at Kirk at rwpolicy.com, so that's K-I-R-K rwpolicy.com, um, and you can reach out anytime. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. I think I got my cell phone number up there. Uh, anybody, everybody that wants to talk about the technology, or, or as you mentioned earlier, getting into the space, feel free to reach out. Happy to have the discussion. Great. And I know you're very willing to do uh, uh, demos of it as well. You did. Oh, yeah. us, and I, I actually encourage all of our listeners to reach out to you and, you know, take a demo of it, take a flip through. I think a lot of people could find it very helpful. So, so with that, uh, we'll uh, sign off for today, but thank you very much for joining and until next time. Awesome. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks to you both. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Breach. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, please visit rwipodcast.com. The views and opinions expressed by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Cyfarth Shaw, LLP, its partners, or its employees. The podcast does not provide legal or other professional services. This podcast is made available by the lawyer publishers for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the lawyer publishers. The podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. As defined in the State Bar of New York's Code of Professional Responsibility, this podcast is considered a form of attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes. Thank you.